a reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. This is the word of the Lord. As you are able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading is from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the gospel of the Lord. How many of you have an Easter egg hunt this weekend? Or you're going to Easter brunch this weekend? You're all staring at me like, no, of course not, right? Because it's not Easter. Except here we are again, much like we were a few weeks ago with Christmas in June. We have Easter in July. And again, there's a lot of benefit for us as we continue through this Matthew series to to look at the Easter story outside of the Easter season. Because apart from all of those traditions and those celebrations and all of the things that we typically do with Easter— we can see the story a bit differently. 
Now again, much like I said when I shared the message about Christmas in June, I'm not trying to knock on your traditions, okay? Keep your Easter traditions. Go have an Easter egg hunt and brunch and all the other things when Easter comes around again. Those are good and fine. But again, rather that outside of those, we get to be directed to seeing the story a bit differently. And so today, when we look at Matthew chapter 28, outside of all of those things, we see that things are not the way they're supposed to be. Now, that doesn't really sound like a benefit on its own, but really that leads us to go to the real benefit that we recognize and we get to hear the powerful word of God. More importantly, the powerful declaration that God has for you and for me today. Because again, things weren't the way they were supposed to be. Fear is all over the place. Did you notice when you heard scripture read just moments before I got up here, fear was mentioned four times in our short reading today. It says that for fear of him, the guards trembled. And then it goes on to say that the angel said, do not be afraid. And a little little while later after they left, it says they departed quickly from the tomb with fear. And then as they saw Jesus, he himself says, do not be afraid. Fear is all over the place in this story because things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Jesus shouldn't have died. Jesus shouldn't have died. He certainly shouldn't have died the type of death that he died. Because in many cultures, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's the concept that if you do something, an action, there's an effect or a consequence or a punishment for that. But Jesus wasn't just experiencing a, an effect or a consequence or a punishment. His, what he experienced was brutality. It was torture, pain and agony and suffering. And it was all on display for everybody else to see. On display for everybody else to see so that not only could they look on, but they could get their mockery in too. Just make a show out of all of it. Also, I add to that the fact that Jesus, Jesus wasn't supposed to die a type of death like that because Jesus was innocent. As much as I say that in that culture and in many cultures in our world today, there's this concept of one action deserves a certain type of consequence or punishment. Jesus did no action that deserved any type of consequence or punishment. He was completely innocent. As we hear from the Isaiah chapter 53, It says he had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. He had done nothing wrong, not a single thing wrong. And this is just one of many places in Scripture that testified to his innocence, that he didn't even have one single sin in his life. And he died, not for his sin, but for their sin. It was their sin for which he died. It was their shortcomings, their failures, the many times and ways in which they fell short of God's will and his desire for their lives. And now, to be clear, I'm not trying to be too harsh on those people, the people of that time, because it was our sin too. It was your sin and my sin, the sin of the entire world for which he died. But to put ourselves in their minds, in that time, in that place, on that Easter morning, they're thinking, it was my sin our sin that put him on that cross. And so fair to understand with all of that why there might be fear. 
Because if the people of the day, if the leaders of the day would do something like that to him, if they would do that to him of all people, then what might they do to us? What might happen to us? But add to that fear, there's also the fact that Jesus shouldn't be alive. He shouldn't be alive because he was dead and now he's alive. And I don't know about you, but if I saw someone who was alive but yet had been dead for three days, I'd be a little bit scared, okay? Right? They saw with their own two eyes. They witnessed it. They saw him breathe his last on that cross. They knew he was laid in a tomb. So fair to say it might be a bit terrifying to see someone who had truly been dead for three days be alive again. Add to that the fact that it's impossible. It doesn't make sense. It can't be explained. How can he be alive? And so often when we can't explain something or, or we don't know something, there grows this fear inside of us. Think about one of the most common fears that people in this world and certainly children experience, the fear of the dark. Right? Typically, we, we start to become afraid of the dark because we don't know what's there. We can't see what's there. We can't see if someone or something is there. We don't know where we're going. And so this not knowing, this not knowing is what causes that fear to build up. And so the same goes here. They don't know, how can this be? How could this happen? And that starts to instill some fear. And then there's the fact that since he's alive, He's God. And since he's alive, all the stuff that he's been saying, all the things that he's been saying leading up to that day are true. He is God. And that also instills some fear. Go to the Psalm, Psalm 130. It says, With you, Lord, there's forgiveness that you may be feared. That you, God, might be feared because you're all powerful. You're all knowing, all present. He is God and we are human. There's some fear to that. So take all of this together. That's what led to them to be filled with this fear. And so fear is all over this place. And to those who are filled with fear, those who are trembling with fear, the angel in Jesus himself says, do not be afraid. Can you imagine? Trembling with fear. And he says, do not be afraid. Like, how is that supposed to help? Right? Think about it. If you're, if you're afraid of something, if you're truly afraid of something, and you're trembling with fear and says, don't be afraid, it's fine. It doesn't really help, does it? <laughs> Might even make you a little bit frustrated even. Or think about if you're sad. You're truly sad about something. You're crying, maybe even weeping over someone, something. Someone says, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Stop crying. <laughs> Not helpful, is it? And yet, think about when you were a child. When you were a young child, and, and maybe you were afraid of the dark. You're a little bit afraid of the dark. Again, you can't see what's there. You don't know what's around, and your imagination starts running. But your parent steps in the room and says, don't be afraid. It's okay. And like that, it was. Instantly, powerfully, everything was Okay. Or maybe your parents stepped in your room and they started to sing to you, hush, little baby, don't you cry. I'm not going to keep going on singing, okay? But you, you know the song, okay? And again, singing, singing again in itself, it, could, it can soothe a child, but the essence of that song is stop crying, 
it's okay. And again, like that, you were calmed. You were at peace. And it's that type of effect that these words had on the people. That when the angel, the messenger of God, spoke God's word, when Jesus himself, who is God, spoke this word and said, do not be afraid, it was like that. Powerful, instant, doing the very thing that it said it does. It brought calm and peace. No longer did they have to fear. Because Jesus is God. And Jesus did die for their sins. And because he died and rose, his words are powerful. And so his word does the very thing that it says. It brings calm and peace. No longer fear. And so those same powerful words are for you and for me today. That because Jesus died and rose, his powerful word is for you as well. That his powerful declarative word that you do not have to fear, do not be afraid, is powerful for you in your life because he died and he rose. He is God. He has power over life and death. He died and rose for your sins, for my sins. So he has power not only over death, but over sin and the devil. And so once again, because he died and rose, Those words have power. You need not fear anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything. No amount of pain or suffering, no amount of persecution or tribulation, nothing in this world. And you could go up on the internet and look up fears or as we typically call them, phobias, right? You could probably find hundreds of them, but you don't have to fear any of them. You don't have to fear any of them because Jesus in his death and resurrection overcame everything. There is no amount of torment nor anguish that the devil can throw out at you nor me that Jesus hasn't overcome. So you need not fear. But we know that we're challenged in that, aren't we? There are many times we're challenged to believe that. We're challenged to believe that as true. We're challenged to believe that as true for ourselves. And often we're challenged to believe this as true because we hear it as a command rather than a declaration. We hear it as do this rather than this is what you are. This is what you get to be. And so think of it this way. One of the most common ways that we use this declarative language is in marriage. That when two are pronounced as husband and wife, this is a declaration that they are now one. But sometimes it doesn't sink in quite, quite right, uh, right away, does it? It doesn't sink in right away that you're actually married. Over time, you start to have those little instances and examples like, oh, this is married life. But that doesn't mean that you're any less married in the beginning versus then. That this is the declarative language. And so the same goes for the Marys on that Easter morning that just because it may not have sunk in right away or they may not have yet felt it didn't mean it was any less true. And so the same goes for you and for me. That maybe it doesn't always sink in quite right. We don't always feel it. But it doesn't make it any less true. 
And the other challenge then is that, okay, we believe this is true. We believe this is the power that Jesus has, that his word has, but how do I know that this is for me? How do I know that I have this? That this actually applies to me? That this is personally mine? And we turn back to our baptism. Our baptism and the church that God has given us. That in Romans chapter 6, God's word says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That we too get to walk in newness of life. That in our baptism, we know for a fact that this is what God has for you. And then as baptized believers in Jesus Christ, then he also gives us the church. That together as the church, we get to also hear all the other promises that he has for us to remind us that this is yours. Then the invocation as Pastor Max prayed, beginning our worship tonight, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that this is for you. Recalling to mind your baptism, which is yours. And then in confession and absolution, Pastor Max said, your sins are forgiven. And then in the weeks we celebrate Holy Communion, Christ's body given for you, his blood shed for you. And then as the body of believers, we get to turn to one another and encourage one another and speak Christ's peace to one another. That God gives us so many ways, even physical ways, know that this is for you. This applies to you. This is yours because Christ died and rose for you. Because he died and rose for you, his word is powerful and declares it to be true that you need not fear. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.